Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye. Please, sip responsibly. Copyright 2023, Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. I serve as director of the Hayden Planetarium at the American Museum of Natural History right here in New York City. And I've got with me in studio Chuck Nice. Hey, Neil. Chuck. What's happening? Good, man? good. You know, we're featuring. My interview today with Josh Groban. I know. It's Josh Groban. Josh Groban. My wife loves yep, that it's guy. Every, every, every dude's wife what loves him. What is up with that, man? What is up with that? She loves him. Like, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I, you know, we're helpless in this when confronted with his Exactly. Song, you right. know. So, so then I figured, well, to just make this an all-music show, I, I thought I'd bring in some expertise cool. in music. So we comb the land. Yes. And so we don't want just any musician. We want, since I'm an academic, I want to get some PhD music going on here. Nice. <laughs> All right. So we found Elaine Kwan. Elaine, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. You have a PhD <laughs> in music. Wow. Well, actually, officially a doctorate in musical arts. Musical yes. arts. So does that mean you play better than anyone else or know more about music than anybody else? <laughs> like, which... <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> like, do you suck at music? Oh, but you know, yeah. but, but yeah, you know, like, could you have a doctorate and and still not play anything? Like, what do you play? I play the recorder. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I play, I play the kazoo. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, that's valid. That's valid. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean the DMA is more focused on performance, actually. But oh, yes. okay. But you oh. Can, you so know, performance as an art. 
Absolutely, yes. Okay. Musical okay. arts. Look at you, not to say that you're tooting your own horn. <laughs> and you, and you, you teach at MIT? <laughs> I do. The Massachusetts Institute of Technology? Yes, I've been there since 99. That means she, she's got uh, uh, street geek cred. Yeah, I was going to say, because I, I hear there are uh, some pretty smart people there. Yeah, even if you're not a geek, right. you, you, osmotically, you, be, yeah, exactly. you become one. Like, I went to MIT for two years. I mean, I never enrolled in a class or anything, but... <laughs> I saw you there. But I, You're wandering the hall. I just hung around. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. I went to, I went to the block that MIT is on yeah, right. and hung out yeah. and, and, and panhandled. <laughs> you were the hall monitor. No, I gotcha. The no, hall monitor. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Elaine, I just, I, just to throw this out here, because like, it, I, it, you, you were like, you, you kick some major martial arts butt. Is, is that also? Is that are my notes here correct about you here? <laughs> On my days off, yes. Is that part of your doctorate? <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> in the special school where right. I come from, it's yeah. like you come in one day and they're just like, yes, uh, it's uh, piano concerto number one in B flat, <laughs> and uh, by the way, break these boards. <laughs> right, right, right. It's it's actually what I I call my life chord. I put my life in musical terms. Oh, so I yeah, I have my music, okay. which is the piano. It's the passion. I okay. got my health, so which is the martial note. arts, then and health. then the purpose okay. is teaching at okay. MIT. Does that mean like in the bathroom you have like your bowel movement, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I just oh, if your already, life is it's already gone there. If, if, if your over. life is does that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you're, you're five-time uh, national champion in Taekwondo. That's, I, of all the, the martial arts, that's my favorite. Is it? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Because I like using the leg. It's a big leg thing, right? It Taekwondo. is. Lots of kicks. I love Ab- kicking. I like oh, that's it. cool. Yeah, I love kicking. All right. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, after the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll totally yeah. do this. We'll do, have a kick, kick the light out from the ceiling. <laughs> um, so so for this first segment, I want to focus on singing as, a, as an instrument, a voice as an instrument. Yeah. Uh, Josh Groban, you know, he's an award-winning singer, songwriter. He's also an actor. Yeah. See, yeah, he had a recurring role in a few shows. And he sold 25 million records. Oh, no, he did Yes, yes, he now, did. See, I was completely unaware of that. Yeah, yeah, he totally, uh, yeah, so he's got now, a, wait a minute. very it's, devoted following. Yeah. 25 million, and now... I mean, was that like 25 million people went out and bought it, or just some really rich guy he knows bought 25, bought like 25 million? <laughs> like, really? He's that popular? He's very popular. Oh my God. So let's find out. Uh, let's open up the interview, find out just how he thinks of voice as an instrument. We'll find out. It's a really kind of interesting thing when you wake up one morning, shortly after your voice changes, and realize that. You, know, you just went you, through puberty. You didn't I, I just went through puberty. I know. I you know, no need to congratulate me. That's cool. I'm enjoying it. And With a lot uh, of benefits. A lot of benefits. Oh, boy, I didn't realize how cool it would finally be. But it's an interesting responsibility to have an instrument that's inside you. And, you know, to understand very young that you can't polish it and put it away. Your body is your instrument. You gotta it's treat it right. An amazing responsibility. It's an amazing gift, but at the same time it can be a real pain. So in the what butt. came first? Your voice as an instrument or the fact that you actually perform instruments. It was my love of music and performing instruments that came first. I got my ear from my dad. I grew up kind of playing the family piano. I would come back from concerts and I would just kind of figure out, you know, songs on the piano. And so know. there's something to be said for a family piano. Oh, absolutely, 100. percent I mean, my. Does it make a difference if you get the like the Casio that's plug-in? A, that's or? what we started with. It was an actual okay. Casio plug-in in right. like 1983 or something like that my dad brought home a casio keyboard with basically like four beats and two sounds and you were two years old i was in a diaper playing on that thing 
I would put on the bossa nova beat. I'd lo- I gotta love just, the bossa nova. Oh, the bossa nova. Yeah. <laughs> That's everybody's yeah. first button. It's, it's, it is everybody's first button. And so I would just kind of throw my hands on the piano, and eventually I would make these grand chords, you know, and they were just these, you know, I listen to the videos now and they were these wonderful dissonant chords, but I was just messing you around. Use the word wonderful and dissonant in the same sentence. Oh, it is. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> uh, they call you, you're a tenor, I guess. Is that right? I actually am more of a lyric baritone, I would say. I have a lower voice than would be necessary for a full operatic tenor. I've always... The tenors sometimes hit those higher registers. Can, yeah. And I can sing those notes. I just choose not to perform those notes. So I, I, where's your sweet spot? My sweet spot is in an F, F sharp G. Range, okay. yeah. I can make an F sharp sound like a B. Let me hear it. Can I? Got to get my piano app on my iPhone here. Oh, oh together. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So uh, he was joking about uh, entering puberty, and we were joking because he has such a boyish face. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my yeah. wife says I'm about did... to enter puberty any day now. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Uh, so, so Elaine, when we think of a voice, it's it you know there's a, your chest cavity, there's v- vibrating vocal cords, there's your tongue, lips. So when when you think of music, in your head, are you thinking about all the all the things that go into what makes the vibration? Is that that's part of what you have to study to understand music, right? Yep, musicians definitely you know we study that, but. Actually, it depends on what instrument you're really focused on, mm-hmm. you know, like... But, but in the voice, you got the whole... Yeah, there you, it is. Yeah, for right. voice, you, you yourself are the instrument, mm-hmm. so you naturally create these vibrations, at, you know, from speaking anyway. So um, as a pianist, though, as, you know, we're thinking about making the tones mm-hmm. and not necessarily creating that. All right, so the, the, the piano person doesn't have to worry about air supply. <laughs> no. right. Where so many other right. instruments do, right? Exactly. Sure, yes, it's true. We do have to put breath in the music, though. You know, So you put it in with your body, as you phrase with the body. Really? Oh. Yes, whereas singers will take, you know, and, or any wind instrument, you breathe, you breathe with, in, right. in through your nose, you know, it goes through your diaphragm. So now when you say... Wait, 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 I gotta hear it. Wait, you, you're telling me the piano player is breathing into the music... Oh, oh, absolutely. That's phrasing. That's all. That's what it's all about. So, so the the phrasing comes from the body movements. Is that what you're saying? I'm N- not necessarily. I mean, if you force that in there, it's false. But w- but you know, music unfolds in phrases. Okay. In segments like sentences. But wait, wait, wait. But I but I can I just copy you and turn you into a a, a piano roll? <laughs> and the piano roll ain't breathing. It's just. That's why it doesn't sound. Is it doesn't it sounds artificial? Gotcha. There's music that you hear digitally. You know, you that the, you they've you can hear it online, yeah. and there's something wrong because so you're, there's you're no breath. There's no life in it. Then. Exactly. Oh. Like you can tell when there's a human being behind it. With the voice, you can you know you sometimes can hear the inhalation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the, with the piano, you have to breathe as you play and you move, and your your whole body goes into it. So tell me about the 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 the, the registers. Is that what it's called? The range: low, medium, high. I mean. For, uh, pia- for a voice, yeah. For, yeah, for voice. Your so, voice register, yeah. Yeah, so... Sure, yeah, you know, bass, mm-hmm. baritone. He's lyric baritone, which implies it's a little bit higher. You have tenor, you have a contratenor. Uh-huh. Then comes alto, mezzo-soprano, soprano. And I lost and my higher. nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Those are the ranges. And that's the highest that's you the can high. go, right? No, 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 the highest. You get kicked in the nuts. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> get that straight. You know? Okay, I got gotcha. The next one will have a kicked in the nuts symphony. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, you know, as far as determining what your range is, mm-hmm. is you know, you you just can just see, well, how low can I sing and and how high? Because pre-puberty, can... I think there's n- there's no difference between the boy, the girl voice and the boy voice. Well, right? I know I I I sang for a soprano in choir, 
So for a very how, long... How recently? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You sang, oh. Yeah, oh. I, I sang for soprano and choir. It was a church Great. choir. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, for Grace Episcopal Church. And um, uh, it was wonderful. I replaced a young girl named Lisa mm-hmm. uh-huh. who had moved to Alto. Because she had, like women go through puberty, their voices change too. Oh, oh yeah, so, absolutely. So you yeah. were still in there, though. And yes. Okay. And so um, I was teased quite a bit because I sang the first soprano parts. And, um, you know, um, and then, of course, I went through the change and I, I got my first monthly and that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> well... Well, they probably they probably were sad to lose your you know your boy voice because even if you w- yeah. did replace a a female girl voice, yes, it's different. The timbre of your voice is different. The timbre. Okay. Yes. 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 So, so here's the thing: when um when I think of there's music, and then when I think of song, the song brings you in in a different way because there's words. The, the you know the lyrics mean something intellectually and emotionally to someone, but a, a good performer where there isn't even necessarily lyrics, presumably can achieve that same uh, influence, right? So yes. uh, so in my conversation with Joss, we were, I was just trying to understand the effect of music on somebody mm. when you feel love or hate, because all his people are women, yes. right? And so he, there's some vector <laughs> of communication going on mm-hmm. with his songs. Yes. <laughs> Don't go on with some other song. So let's find out where, where he's gonna take us there. As a singer, we're nuts. There's all sorts of vibrations going on and and weird mental neuroses that are happening in the midst of singing a song. So you try and go through your checklist of everything you need to accomplish, but it's crass to say it, but my voice will say, it's not vocal masturbation. It's for the audience, you know? And so a lot of times you're not thinking about the enjoyment or the power or whatever. You're thinking about very kind of boring things sometimes about just making sure the technique is correct. And you hope that you're focusing on the craft of what you do is causing an emotional reaction in, in other people. And so it is amazing when you make connections to calls of the wild. I mean... Because you sing and then they show up. It's an animalistic thing. They know? pay money, if they you, drive great distances. They, gr- they drive great distances to hear these odd noises. Syllables coming the, out of your mouth. The thing that can't always be explained is, you know, lots of people have beautiful voices. Living in New York, I hear voices better than mine. I mean, incredible voice. I sound great in the shower, but I can't sing. <laughs> it's a pretty epic reverb in the shower. Yeah, no, it's say. awesome. That's oh, like, my God. That's karaoke reverb in there. I mean, that's really, no one sounds bad in the shower. And I've always said, there's no half singing in the shower. You're either an opera diva or it's a rock true. star. Yeah. There's no James there's Taylor no, in the no shower. There's no tentative, there's, yeah. No, there is, this is... Thing in the way. No, no, no. You are, no. It's, it's all or nothing in the showers. It's a mating call, really. It, it is, because sometimes having the right proper technique has nothing to do with the reaction. So you might have people that have trained at Juilliard or trained to be the greatest opera singers working out there. And they might be able to hit the notes as perfectly as somebody can hit it. And for some reason, it won't make someone cry. You know? But then you'll get a voice like Edith Piaf. She was a street performer. No formal training, but had something. There was a trill. There was something... You know, who her- else was very real that way was... Billie Holiday. Billie Holiday, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you wouldn't put her on an opera stage, no. but something about that. There is something I felt yeah. the words that came out of her mouth. And I think it's important for vocal students and important for arts programs not to teach nuance out of somebody's natural instrument. I think that our animalistic call that we have is in us, and it's us, and it's natural. And so, well, so what you're saying is it can't be taught except only to find it within yourself. I think that technique can be taught and technique is necessary, but I think that we all are born with different nuances that make us who we are as artists, as thinkers, as, as singers. 
when you think about what the mating thing is, it's about expressing that uniqueness. And people can choose whether or not they want to come running to it or not. So, yeah, there's a lot there. And so we're just one, plus, we're just one animal in the animal kingdom that makes music, right? We've got humpback whales, right. we've got frogs, we've right. got birds, right. we've got... Uh, I'm, 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 I'm reminded of a, a Gary Larson comic where this this father takes his son out to the backyard and his backyard is cordoned off with, with fences and there's a fence everywhere in everyone's backyard. And they see a, a songbird singing in the tree and says, uh, Timmy... Uh, that song by the bird is a primitive way that they show and mark their territory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're just picket fences, right, picket fences all completely right. up and down. Yeah, that, um, that's funny. <laughs> uh, so, so let me ask, is there, when I think of song, uh, normally I think of a, voice, uh, of, of a human voice singing words. But there's, there, there are piano pieces that are almost that themselves, right? They, 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 they're these sweeping pieces, yeah. and then there are other piano pieces where, yeah, that's the, the piano singing to me. What, what, what distinguishes that? I would is it the pace of notes, how long you hold the note? What is it? Well, something song-like means that if you're describing a piano piece or an instrumental piece of music, is that means it's trying to imitate the inflections of the words and to convey emotion as strongly as words and the meaning of that can convey. Oh, so and, 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 and now is that just a definition, or are you saying that that's really what it what it's doing? It's that's it's both. Okay. So right. when I say I'm playing a piano piece, I don't say piano song unless it's like Songs Without Words by Mendelssohn, which is a piano piece. Yeah. Gotcha. When I when I first so, heard about that, I said, "What the heck is he talking about? What's he yeah. a song without words?" <laughs> right. Uh, that, I, I, I'd heard. I was young when I first heard that this such a piece existed. Yes. Yes. It's a literal definition: song without words, and and it's very lyrical. So that means there's a melody right. with harmony underneath. Okay. Because a song is really a melody. Because a human voice we sing, unless you're doing overtones singing you can you sing one note after another mm -hmm. and that's melody harmony is when you have the the notes lined up simultaneously and are right. moving across right. Right. yeah so so, well, so that's why you need more than one person to harmonize because you can't harmonize with yourself right. unless you unless, unless you have playback singing right. yeah, yeah there are some okay. overtones they can do it with the overtones in the throat but, so but these, these are different species of humans <laughs> that do that. yes okay. <laughs> it seems you can yeah. say that. <laughs> or they're or they're schizophrenic or something <laughs> going on right, right. it's a skill yeah manipulating uh -huh. the chords but but, uh, but but so would a would a piano piece that is lyrical as you've described it mm -hmm. can that be as potent as a, a a pop song with lyrics with lyrics right oh I think so but it's all in how expressively the performer can do it and because piano is a percussion instrument mm -hmm. so right. once you play a note the sound goes out and so you have to, it's this it's the, how you connect the spaces between the notes and because it is percussive you oh, can she sounded like jazzy now that was what's the, the space between, between the, the notes the note. oh it's not what you, it's not what you're hearing man it's what you're not not hearing man <laughs> what you're not not <laughs> she's getting all jazz at the blue note on us That's okay very cool so but yeah so between the notes is. Yeah, it's, it's connecting the sounds. So, so it's all about phrasing to make something expressive and emotional. Okay, okay. So. all right. Well, when we come back, more of my interview with Josh Groban and more uh, expert commentary there on Star Trek. If you and your grandma don't speak the same language, it can be hard to express your love for her. McDonald's can help. To celebrate the launch of the new Grandma McFlurry, McDonald's is inviting fans to visit sweetconnections.ai, where you can record a video message for grandma that's translated into her native language. 
The tech will clone your voice, reanimate your face, and translate your words so that you look like you're speaking another language. Check out SweetConnections.ai, then get a Grandma McFlurry at McDonald's. Available for a limited time at participating McDonald's. Select languages available. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye. Please, sip responsibly. Copyright 2023, Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky. We're back. Star Talk. Chuck. Yes. How you doing? We're talking about, we're featuring my interview with Josh Groban. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the crooner. The, yes, he is. The babe magnet. Yeah, I see. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I could sing. <laughs> but I, I, I can't have a, a music show without a, a music expert. And I got Elaine Kwan, a, a concert pianist. Uh, no. A, 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 yes, concert pianist. And okay. a and doctor of? I'm a lecturer, a doctor of musical arts. Doctor of musical arts. And yeah. lecturer at MIT. And I'm a lecturer at MIT. And so what I, what I want to know is. Yeah, why don't you do something with your life? <laughs> Stop slumming, right? (laughs) (laughs) Has your mother told you that over here? (laughs) Chuck. That's okay, Chuck. We we love you here. (laughs) Um, So uh, what's curious to me is uh, we we were speaking in the previous segment, what impact uh, music without words can have versus music with words. Mm -hmm. Now, I know if I'm hearing a performer and I like their mellifluous notes – I'm going to be queuing in on the person. And in fact, we have voice print identification, right? right? Well, they yeah. have voices have sure. signatures. They, they have, they, oh, they okay. have signatures. Exactly. You know where most of us first saw voice print identification? Where? In uh, the opening scenes of 2001. Not the very opening scenes with the apes. The right. one where he's coming onto the space station and oh, he goes through yeah. voice print identification. Right. They make a whole big deal of this. Right. Uh, and it says uh, 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 Christian name first and given name second or set or something or, right. or, or surname, Christian name. You know, that, that's how I guess they said it back right. then. Right. Right. Uh, so, <clears throat> so then I said, wow, so your voice can do that. And so, so, I, so I wonder, can, can a person be as seductive to a listener playing a piano as a crooner can be 
singing a song? Oh, absolutely. I, I totally believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be a little bit harder to identify, but... Is, to, to, to see who's playing. To who's playing, okay. exactly. Mm-hmm. But, and, and would it have more to do with the instrument or the style? Because, for instance, in jazz, you totally know when Charlie Bird Parker is playing. Because you get the style. Because you got the style of Charlie right. Bird Parker. Yeah. But also, he played a certain saxophone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know sure. what I'm saying? Yes. So, it's, right. so which one is more important? Is it the style or is it like the actual instrument? I th- I think it's the style. Okay. Because today, especially for recording, there's so much editing that goes on. But they're not necessarily editing how somebody interprets a piece of music. So um, you can tell a right, lot about... Because that's within the notes that they have to keep. Right. Ex- right. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And there's so rubato, which is, the, which is the term for when you take time away and give time. It's that give and take in music, the slowing down, speeding Ooh, up. That's a word. That is very Ooh, personal. Rub- would you call it rubato? Rubato, yes. Rubato. Like so Chopin's music. I mean, his is full of rubato. Mm. I love and, me some and, rubato. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, could, it, would, it would be boring yeah, if exactly. you didn't have some rubato. Domo obrigato, Mr. Rubato. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Exactly. And that's why mechanized playing, it just never is effective because uh, there's no rubato in there. And that gotcha. goes back to breathing. But you can identify that with certain performers. There well, may be a tendency. Well, Josh's songs, you know, they, they, they're, they're like liquid seduction, acoustic <laughs> yes. seduction. Let's find out. I, we talked about this. Let's find out what he said. Okay, so you're a crooner and the women just can't stay away from you. And well, you know the feeling. I mean, come on, this is, we're in very similar areas there. I mean, now here, you start me... talking about multiverses and the pants just drop. I well, mean, let me ask you. So you I start singing and the, and blush, right? and the yeah, piano yeah. goes and it's, it's like an acoustic panty remover. It That's is. What it is. Okay. <laughs> let me ask you if you've thought about this. How yeah. come a guy who sings those ballads, okay, mm-hmm. women are throwing panties on the stage. Yes. But a woman who sings, like, Guys don't throw jock straps on the stage. If they did, I don't know that that would work. How come it's not symmetric? It's not. I I want symmetry in this world, and I don't understand that. Okay. There are attractive singers, but a guy would like it just because she's attractive, not because she sings great. Whereas guys, man, you sing... They're chasing you down the street. I would imagine part of it is just convenience. I would imagine if you're wearing a skirt, it's easier to get the panties off <laughs> okay. than if you're wearing like Levi's. You know, ha- you would have to take off. I'm just we're just getting really technical now. But yeah, I, I, mean, I had not a thought about that. But if you're like me and like to wear there's your underwear ge- over your jeans, there's a geometry problem. Of yeah, there is. Yes, it's, it's way too difficult. You would be kicked out of the venue for lewd behavior long before you were able to get your jockstrap on stage. Right. So, the uh, practical fact that, there. That's, right. that's exactly right, yeah. If ever I get a jockstrap thrown on stage, I, I may start to kind of think about how I re- rewrite some material. <laughs> yeah. So what percentage of your fan base is female, would you say? I would say uh, the scientific percentage of, after studies we've done is about 103%. 3% could have a sex change, you'd still be that, 100%. That, that, that's exactly right, yes, yes, yes. A few, a few of the men have now gone to Thailand and, uh, and come you back built as, in the sex change as fans, yes. Factor. Yes. Presumably your audience at a live concert is not 100% female, so the women are bringing their guys. And, and then there yes. you are, Yes. and, and it, what am I doing sitting next to my woman? Who's... It is my job to make the gentlemen in the audience feel great by the end of the night. Not only because... Because you know we can so kick your ass at yeah, the end of the concert. That's exactly right, yes. I right. don't have the wrestling arms <laughs> that you have so you know i rely on, on singing and wit to win the them wit. over so, so, yes. so is this comedy humor so so yes you know i'll explain to the guys in the audience well first of all a live concert is your opportunity to give them what they know but also to sure. you know to win people over you know you want to give people what they didn't know they wanted as well so when a girlfriend or a wife or a mom or whoever brings their son or brother or husband even if they drag them along it's really my goal by the end of the night for them to say a 
I really enjoyed that from a creative standpoint. And B, for them to understand, I'm here to help them. You know, this is just two hours of a very long night, wink, wink. You know, and I want them to have an amazing, I want them to feel good about their investment coming to a Groban concert. Brownie points, I'm telling you. Oh, okay, so you're just a cog in yes. the wheel of the, the guy's evening. Exactly right. I'm not just singing for the women to flock to the stage. Because I'm singing it, because for the women in to practical flock. terms, they can't. The security will tackle them. Right, so okay. I'm singing for them to cling even tighter to the person next to them. That's diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> That's using the power for good, don't you think? <laughs> that guy's out of control. Yeah. So, so, so Elaine... The, this concept of romance, there's this, mm. I, I, I've read there's this romantic period in music. Yes. They say like early yes. 20th century, 1820s is that right? 1820s to about 1900 and a little Oh, so almost 100 years there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. what makes music romantic, piano music romantic? What would, what, what constitutes that? Ooh. Um, there's more diverse harmonies mm. and lyricism and melodies. So, you know, the romantic period came about with the growth of the novel also. So it's about self-expression and a oh. personal journey uh-huh. and, and, you know, so it's individual. it's the harlequin of music. <laughs> yes, you could say. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. So they, yes. they coincided. All the, sh- they all the sheet music has a little picture of Fabio on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, <laughs> at that point, I mean, music was tonal. Eight tonality came in the 20th century, but the tonality was starting to be expanded. So, you know, tonal music means you have a home base, a key center. And romantic music started to stretch those boundaries. Mm. So you're living more on the edge. You're going into maybe the more dangerous parts of your life journey if you're telling a story through music. Ah. Okay, so you're stretching the boundaries. Like a good so, novel would be, because a big exactly, novel takes you there. yes, gotcha. and you don't know Ooh. what you're getting into. It's exploration. Fifty shades of scale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, <laughs> and by the end of the Romantic period, you're ending up in a completely different key, possibly. You know, Whoa. pieces got longer because I, I guess uh, what's the one I'm thinking? Rachmaninoff, uh, his second piano piano concerto? Concerto? Rocky yes. Two, I think I've heard it called. Yes, <laughs> Rocky right. Two. It's used a lot in right. movies. Is, is that the one that goes? Da, na, na, na. Is that the one? Yes, I yes. feel like swaying to yeah, that, yeah. and it's and it's. <laughs> So have you played? Do you play? Rom- do, do you do romance? I love romantic music. Oh. Yes, I love that era. I love Rachmaninoff. Okay. Definitely his preludes, his concerti. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, my, the CD I just did. Well, you love Rachmaninoff. I'm told he had one of the largest hands of any performer. Mm, that's what oh, all the yes. girls said. <laughs> that's, what, yeah. that's why I'm asking. <laughs> he had an octave and I don't know, two or three note span. It's pretty... Wow, big. that's there's a that's big. Yeah. yeah, I show I show photo to my MIT students, and his knees are way up at the piano. You need a special. So he was a giant built. man. He was he was giant, and yeah. apparently a bit stoic. But his music was so beautifully expressive, as was Chopin's, as was Rubinstein's, as was I mean, there's a whole field of of romantic composers, and it's kind of to your liking at that point. There's gotcha. such a wide range. Gotcha. Yeah. So Elaine, when you play music from this romantic era, do you have to feel romantic while you're playing romantic music so that the listener gets a double hit there? Is that? I think it helps if you can put yourself in that mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not always necessary because of hours and hours of preparing. Sometimes the physical just takes, takes over. over. It takes yes. over. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah. the most effective performances is when when the audience can feel the mental and the physical and the spiritual all combined. What's that, what's that chocolate movie or the, the Baker's movie where the emotions of the of the like water for chocolate? Water one, for oh. chocolate. Yes. 
That's yeah, right. the emotion of the chef ended up in the food. It's in the food. People yes. ate the food and they felt the emotion of that the... That is why you crying. are sick. <laughs> yes. Because my emotions are in your food. <laughs> you know, the concerts I've been playing now is based on a series I do called Savor Your Senses, which is actually combining all the senses. So the listening and the tasting and the, and the hearing mm-hmm. and the seeing is are all combined. So I always uh, wondered what... Um, you know, there's science in music, and I like to think there's music in the universe. Mm. Uh, the, the the harmony of the spheres, it was once uh, thought of. But, uh, you know, Josh Groban, there's actually some geek in him. And uh, and Elaine, you, you teach at MIT. There's no shortage of geeks right. at MIT. Sure. If you swing your arms, you knock down yeah. three of them, you know? so <laughs> We are all geeks there. Let, let's find out from Josh, just what kind of a geek was he growing up? When you grow up in the arts, it's pretty much the same lunch table as the science kids. It was uh, easier for an arts person to be cool than a science person to be cool at that age, isn't it? It absolutely right? depends on the group of friends you have around you and the kind of school you go to. Okay. I think that for me, especially with the kind of voice that I have, I wasn't in a rock band, you know? Playing and singing more classical style and musical theater style songs was not like the cool thing to do. I tried to play football. You know, you at least were a wrestler. Yeah, I tried yeah. to play flag football. I got hit once, and I, I remember my parents taking me to El Torito afterwards, and I was just saying to them, yeah, I'm not going to go back out there again, guys. I'm just sorry. I'm just, that's it for me. So, so yeah, no, well, I, so had you been good at flag football, you might not have ever I might have music. become a professional flag football player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I had to make music. I was in love with it ever since I was a little kid. I didn't know what it was that I was in love with. I didn't know why it spoke to me so much, but... Um, well, I read your FBI file. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As there's I, an FBI you file. have that capability here. At, at we have yeah. the power. Yeah. And I heard that you won an elementary school science fair. <laughs> I absolutely did. If you want to fest that up, I, I here did. in front of me... Well, what we did was we set up a system where we put a, a piece of rubber over a tin can, and then we had that old Casio keyboard, and we put the tin can over the speaker, and we magnified light onto the, we put a mirror on top of the rubber, and I was able to make sound waves on the ceiling. Oh my, brilliant! And so so and you so converted the sound waves into optical vibrations? Into optical vibrations on the ceiling using the light on the, the cans that we put and, on top of the keyboard. And how old were you? I was 10. Brilliant! Thank you very much. Oh my gosh! Yes, that was, you know, oh, so, in the club. so I, I wanted at an early age to try and find ways to get in with both clubs, with the science club and the music club. <laughs> wow. Making that happen. Look at that. Uh, so, 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 Elaine, is there, uh, is it true what, what Malcolm Gladwell says that if you're going to be an expert in something, you've got to have spent 10,000 hours on it? I believe it is. Yeah. Okay. Yes, I think so. There's a certain. So, that, so that'd be the science of talent, I guess, is if, if you think of you, it that way. Yeah, I mean, talent, talent and success, I think, comes from just sheer hard work. So, mm-hmm. so the 10,000 hours, that's indic- indicative of hard work, hard time put in, which you really need to put in. Yeah. So, and- so you don't believe that there's any natural proclivity to do, uh, you can't be musically inclined? Um, I, I think people are, can be naturally gifted for sure. Uh, but to make But they can't be naturally system- great. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have I mean, to work at that. You have right? to work at it. You can be well. Some things can come. <laughs> sort of, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure how hard I've worked, Neil. But now that you bring it up, I think to have uh, endurance or longevity. In science, you have yeah. to study. You have to know what is known before you can declare that you've made a discovery that has never been made before. And so there's a huge backdrop on this. I mean, many, many years mm-hmm. in school. And so, um, actually, Josh had some opinions about what scientists and artists had in common. Let's find out what that is. 
I think there's a certain curiosity that is similar in music and in science. There's a certain part of the brain that has to flip on in order for me to find a creative space. And so I think that if I'm writing, it's one of those things where I can't force it. You know, it's one of those things where I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll just go straight to the piano. And you kind of have to look at, for me, the creation of music and what you're feeling when you sing and all that with the same kind of... So you're exploring the unknown. Well, yeah, you're exploring the unknown. There's a wide-eyed wonderment that I have to where that comes from and what causes it. I and, love that wide-eyed wonderment. Yes, oh, it's like true. Yeah, I might write a song about that. <laughs> wide-eyed wonderment. Wide-eyed wonderment. <laughs> yeah, you got it. So, Elaine, it's one thing to be really good at playing something that somebody else wrote, but what, did, what does it then take to then write something that no one else dreamt of? Oh. That's another step, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so many people in the classical world, you, you go to a concert to see a performer perform what somebody wrote 100 years ago, right? Yes. Although every interpretation is different. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Even so, mm -hmm. but, yes. but um, because you're in Like in jazz, your... there's a lot of songs been sung a hundred times, a thousand times. And, uh, and right. a thousand different ways. But a thousand different ways. Yes, yeah. same mm -hmm. thing with classical mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. Same thing. But definitely creating your own composition, that takes sparks of, I guess, your own personal genius. But it can also be um, trained, too. You can put yourself in that situation to create. Take, right. Creativity takes practice as well. It's like, uh, so you that, could do it kind of like uh, the experimentation of science where you trial and error and you do things over and over again to see what works and what doesn't, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. You hardly ever get to see this, the trash can. Right. What, what, what. Exactly. <laughs> you only see the finished product. The finished product. Yeah, you don't see the scads of sheet music that suck. <laughs> if we saw Mozart's like trash, Mozart, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Mozart's, because yeah, okay, he was pretty bad no example. Perfect. Okay, bad yeah, example. But Beethoven, okay. Beethoven, you can see the scratches yeah, in the scores. Beethoven, get like it right, dude. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> right I mean, while you're deaf. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has their own process. <laughs> when we come back, more featuring the Star Talk interview with uh, music cleaner Josh Groban. There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France. Which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi, it's more popular than being French. See you in there. Guess who's a Verizon Fios customer? Okay, it's me. You got me. That's right. And I love Verizon Fios because I love having a fiber optic connection come directly into my home. That's right. It doesn't stop at the street and then regular cable comes in. No, it comes directly into my home. And that gives me the best viewing experience that I could ever have. And now for a limited time, you can stream what you love for less with Verizon. Get one year of Peacock Premium for just $19.99. That's a savings of over 60%. Save on all your favorite shows and movies, from Traders to Love Island to Trolls Band Together to Yellowstone. Start saving on the subscription you love at verizon.com slash plus play. Available through Verizon Plus Play. New Peacock subscriptions only. 
After one year promotional period, subscription auto renews at then current annual price plus tax unless you cancel. $59.99 until July 17th, 2024. As of July 18th, 2024, the price will increase to $79.99. Additional terms apply. See verizon.com slash plus play for more details. With chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary Dairy. We're back. Star Talk. Chuck Nice. Yes, sir. With my special guest, Elaine Kwan. Hello. Music expert. You teach at MIT. <laughs> I do. Well, what do you teach? I teach fundamentals of music, okay. piano lab, and sometimes harmony and counterpoint. Okay, but, mm. cool. But, uh, harmony and counterpoint. Oh, yes. Is that like a musical debate class? Yeah, <laughs> Point sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like this music. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that uh, that's that keeps you. So you see fresh blood coming up every day on that all the time. I've yeah. taught hundreds and hundreds of students, and in fact, um, they they learned I was coming on this show, mm-hmm. and I have a couple of questions if you don't mind the, me asking uh, you that, that, that they, they have for have. me. Yes, turning yes, the tables. Oh, um, look at this. Ooh. So the first one is: um, Does your mustache have a name? Ah. No, <laughs> it doesn't have a name. It has never had a name. But it is true that I've never shaved my upper lip in my entire life. I mean, I've trimmed it, but I've never. Never, never went <laughs> totally bald. Yeah, when I started growing a mustache, I could get into X-rated movies. I said, this is good. Uh, before, like, it was on the internet. When you, you know, say get into, you mean the theater or the actual movies? <laughs> yeah, let me clarify. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, when you're young, you want to look old. And when you're old, you right, want to right, look young. So right. it was in that phase. And gotcha. so so I've had my mustache ever since then. It's it's never A razor has never been to my upper lip. Oh, no mm-hmm. name mustache. Okay. Yeah, well, and that's and I'm not so creepy that I named my mustache. No. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, right, we'll name it now. Generalissimo Cosmos. Cosmos. <laughs> Generalissimo Cosmos. That is his new name for his mustache. Thank you, Chuck. Okay. Oh, great. All right. Um, and uh, the second one. Another question, right? Is from, well, this might be harder, but we don't have to answer it now. It's from actually a student who was an intern at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab. Mm-hmm. In Pasadena, California. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Jacob. And he's asked, is, are there any questions that science cannot answer? Ooh. I know it's a big one. I, I would say that science and questions go together. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like beans and rice. <laughs> okay, I gotcha. <laughs> like, you know, like biscuits and gravy. Biscuits and gravy. Like grits and butter. Like grape juice and bounty. Okay. Oh, that was, <laughs> I was way too... I have, no where, I have no idea where that came yeah, from. Right. So there are questions that science has yet to answer, but I look at the repository of questions that once befuddled civilization that have fallen to the to the curiosity and methods and tools of science over the centuries. And so I, there's no question that we have yet to answer that I'm going to say science will never answer that. Uh, we've done such a good job thus far that I, we, we will push on. And as our area of knowledge grows, though, so too does our perimeter of ignorance. Oh. So there will be a forever supply of questions until uh, the universe ends. That's so great. the answer is no. <laughs> Damn, Chuck, I'm trying to be all poetic here. <laughs> I got you, Chuck. Okay. okay. So, um, <laughs> so, so what do you think? Of, uh, there's this whole f- uh, frontier here of uh, like music 
on space missions. You know, if you're going to go in space, what music might you take, you might ask. Because nowadays, it's not just you're going up in orbit and coming back. You're going nine months to Mars, a year and a half there, and nine months back. And so you don't want to get bored. So I wonder, is there music, because I've thought about this, is there music that is so textured, so rich, so Mm multidimensional that you could just carry it for years and never just grow completely sick of it? That's what I wondered. In fact, I I asked Josh Groban about that. Let's find out. I wanted to ask what music, if there's going to be any kind of arts way in the future, obviously, or, or even now. I read something that Sarah Brightman, I guess, was going to be the first singer in yeah, space. Yeah, so she's from like Phantom that. of the Opera. Yes, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, she's going up. She's, I think, the first professional musician on the space station. Right. Why not have more? Why not because have a concert on Mars? Sure, the acoustics would be a little different. And you can't come back. Ah, but, no, if uh, I, I make sure we... I, <laughs> but think about it. I grew up where all the people who were sent into space were, like, military pilots. Mm. And I'm thinking... Is that who can best report for you what it feels like? I want to put some artists up there. There needs to be some human... Some poets. Some people who can feel what that was rather than just know what it was. And so someone who's compelled to write or to compose or to, to sing... I wish Steinbeck had been allowed to travel into space, oh, for instance. I, that, wish, that I, wish, I wish he would have been able to come back and, and journal You know what that would have been like. Have we done that, though? I mean, have we sent... Because one of his books is Travels with Charlie, so he would travels, right, right, right. travels or, with or, curiosity. Or Russian journal. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yeah, Mar- Martian journal. <laughs> but I mean, how often have we sent kind of non... Hardly ever. Yeah. So I will put your name in for that. Thank you. Well, is that because you, you actually need the skills that you need... Or could any of us put on a spacesuit and, no. tr- and trust the other guys to get us up there? No, some of them became space surgeons when they were fixing the Hubble telescope. Right, right, right. Yeah, so everybody's got tasks. you got to have something, yeah. And it's not quite the, oh, i got an extra seat. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah not, it's, so maybe that's been the problem, I think. I and think, yeah. So you want to go into space? Oh, I would love to. There are days where I would be perfectly happy to go to Mars and, and be one of those that just has a one-way trip. I mean, okay. I, I, mean, I don't know how many albums how you sold, but you got to be able to drop twenty million. I, I got to be able to drop it. twenty million. At the moment, I'm a little more concerned about Earth and charitable things on Good, Earth. Okay. <laughs> uh, but if one day I had really fu money and had the opportunity to do it in a heartbeat, I would do it. I hope it becomes less expensive. I hope it becomes one of those things where I mean, that's what we're all bucking for yeah. here. And my hope and expectation is the day you do that. There's some other creative forces operating within you. Yeah. So it's a whole other creative chapter. It's be the space groban. When I was a kid, my favorite costume was a spacesuit. All day long, every day, I would wear a spacesuit. And I was not Josh Groban from Earth. My parents, you know, with a video camera, they'd say, uh, are you Josh? I'd say, no, no, I'm not. And I would open my space mask, and they'd say, well, who are you? I'm John from another planet. I don't know where this character came from. <laughs> did you specify the but planet? No, uh, I did not. So it I didn't did matter not. where it was from, just that it wasn't Earth. Just another planet, yes. It wasn't Earth. No, no, I drawn from another planet last the ages about three to six. The man oh. is geekier than, than we thought. Yeah, he <laughs> wore a spacesuit as a kid and John from another planet. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, <laughs> he's a, out there. He's not, he's not a space cadet, he's he, a brigadier general. Exactly. <laughs> oh, God, that makes me feel bad about my childhood. I wore a three-piece suit and I was Stanley from your local insurance branch. But one day I'm going to work my way up and own the insurance branch, so don't worry. That's <laughs> So you know the musician Will I Am? Uh, yeah, he was, he's from. Yeah. Uh, what do we know him best from? Uh, uh, he was in his, the, his uh, group, the Black Eyed Peas. The Black Eyed Peas. So he actually had a, had a song, "Reach for the Stars," that quote premiered on Mars in August 2012, and was beamed back to Earth by the Curiosity rover. Wow! Great. So the solar system 
as it becomes our backyard, there'll be this contest of who's going to be the first composer, the first saxophone, yeah. the first piano composition. Right. I mean, why wouldn't there be, right? I exactly. Mean, At some not? point, somebody's got to do it. Some, somebody's got to do it. And so what I wonder, uh, Elaine, music is used for so many different things uh, I mean, that we even take it for granted. You know, there, I, I, most of us, I, I'm, I'm maybe older than you, I think, but uh, my first exposure to classical music were Bugs Bunny cartoons. Okay. Sure. There was yeah. a huge catalog of classical music yes. that showed up in the backdrop there. Absolutely. And today, yeah. you know, there's music being used for like uh, uh, gaming and the, yeah. and so I'm just curious. You, you're okay with that, and especially, of course, m movies. movies. You're yeah. okay with that? Are you are you a classical oh, yeah. music snob and you don't want no. anybody to touch it? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. In fact, like that. I'm I'm more in the in the pop culture side of things. That's why I teach fundamentals so I can relate to students mm -hmm. who have had no experience with classical music mm -hmm. and the concert I would, series. I'd be I in that class, yeah. I, yes, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I I actually enjoy teaching the fundamentals to an audience who doesn't have that knowledge. It's more enjoyable to me. But um, yeah, no snobbery at all. Well, let's find out. Uh, Josh Groban, we we just chatted about the the prevalence of music in every walk of life. Oh yeah, that we now experience. So let's find out what he said. I do think that there's a great deal of thought and intellect that goes into some of these games. The music, for instance, I've noticed from a music standpoint, you listen to some of the scores that are being written to games that are being played by millions of kids, and they're hearing the London Symphony play a piece written just for them, you know? Cartoons used to do the same thing. Of course. Looney every, Tunes. Everybody's you know, introduction. I to compare it. them all the time because they didn't know that they were getting a classical music education. And they say, oh, cartoons, you know, come on. And one of my early baptisms was Disney's Fantasia. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But video games are doing the same thing. There are some wonderful music being written to some of these games. Hollywood Bowl now is doing video game night. And they'll do the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra will play, you know, some of the great themes. How of often have you performed at Hollywood Bowl? Uh, I've performed about four or five times now. Four or five times. In physics, acoustics of the geometry of the chairs matters. Does that hold up to the acoustics it looks like it should have? Uh, like it, the amphitheaters of ancient Greece? It does. They've renovated it. Because it's still a band shell, right? Obvious. It's yes, still a shell. Yes, it is. It's not amazing. So the sound doesn't go behind you. It reflects forward. It reflects forward. Now that's either good or bad. I mean, how Well, it is good. I mean, you, ha you still have to have great sound engineering. I mean, mm -hmm. their speakers there now are, are great. And of course, when you listen to what it was built for, which is a full symphony concert, it sounds phenomenal. When you're putting solo pop and rock and that kind um, of thing, you're at the mercy of the guy at the front mixing. Board. I felt the same way about Carnegie Hall, uh -huh. where it was designed for you know pre-electricity, yeah. acoustic, and now I heard like a rock. I saw Jay Z there. there not well, too it's, long it's ago. Like, and, I don't know was, if I like that. It was just huge. Yeah, you know, it was just, very bass heavy and, and huge speakers on the floor. I, I'm not at all a snob about that stuff. I, I think that it's great that different diverse artists come into halls like that. I think that way back when, you know, when halls like that were first being made, you know, Mozart, the classical music, that was the pop music of, of I the day. So, so, yeah. so I think it's great that all different types of artists, you know, play there. But then it's their responsibility, I think, to make sure they have sound engineers that really <laughs> make the sound appropriate to the venue. I think that's important. So, Elaine, what's the status of concert venues today? Uh, the acoustics of it. Is it is it good? Is it bad? Is it... It, oh, have, it, have we plateaued? Well, it, 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 is there room for improvement? I, I, there's always room for improvement, um, you know, based on funding to, to get a new, uh, you know, performance space built. Um, of course, the old standards are wonderful. Carnegie Hall, Lincoln Center. I mean, these are designed to really per, to enhance, you know, the instrument. But, but, you know, especially classical musicians are finding different places to perform now 
you know, the, we're losing an audience to a certain extent. And so per, per, performers are playing in, in rock clubs, oh. um, in lounges, oh. in, you know, small cafes. Your local park. Yes, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. exactly. This is, this is what we're doing these days. So maybe that's more important than the details of the acoustics, just getting the music out there. Yeah, yeah getting the oh, music cool. out there. I mean, uh-huh. of course, it's, it's a gift to be able to play in a fantastic venue. I love playing at Carnegie Hall just because of that. It's, yeah. it's like this. But see, that's one of the cool well, things about well, that sense, well, I love playing at Carnegie, Carnegie. Hall. <laughs> yes, I love it. I know, that's so cool. I love yeah. thinking about playing at Carnegie Hall. She right. loves playing at Carnegie Hall. Right. Yeah, you can, she, can actually, she can actually answer the joke, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Yes. She can personally answer that joke. That's cool. But the cool but, thing about it is, like in New York, if you go to certain parks, you'll see people playing chamber music. They're just, and these are like really great musicians, but they're just playing for the love of playing and getting the music out there. And I think it's really important that that happens because it gives people appreciation for the music. Right. Yeah. So uh, also, uh, music has the power, it seems, to cross cultures like nothing has ever before. Yeah. Right? And I I asked Josh about that just to get his take on crossing cultures. You're probably most popular in America, but where where are you second most popular? Scandinavia, strangely, because I'm half Scandinavian, so I'm I'm half Norwegian. So So you could do like a punky blonde hair dye (laughs) and just show up. It's interesting. I'll travel to South Africa. I'll travel to Japan. I'll travel to Germany. And I'll, I'll say to myself, God, you know, are they going to know the words? Are they going to, you know, is this going to be any different than, right. than America? Because you're not translating your song. No. And right. they know every they know every word in whatever language it is I'm singing in. And they may not understand it completely, but they feel it. And it's interesting to me that they understand. Well, that's a compliment to you. Somehow. Well. That you're performing it. The coolest thing, I think, is, is traveling around the world and seeing such a similar response, no matter what the culture and what, what the language is. Uh, it seems to be the same. Well. You sing about love and... and Universal things, yeah. yeah. If I just sang about America, it may not have had the same... <laughs> good point. Yeah, if I just, uh, you know, if I went to good old U.S. of A. Thanks for coming, Norway. So uh, pop music, of course, has been a very big thing in America, especially, like, I think since the 50s, you oh, know, yeah. when the, the teeny, the, the, the youth became an economic force and they'd be buy, buying music. Right. And... and I'm always surprised Americans that they go abroad and they see other people dancing to our music. But, okay, <laughs> some of that came back because here in America, we were shaking some body parts to Gangnam Style. That's true. So, <laughs> and last I checked, I don't speak well, Korean. That's right. That's right. And it was not a translated version. No, it, it was, was, it was in, in, Korean. Korean. in Korean. And I, I haven't checked it this morning, but last I did check because I checked it for a while. They're, they're like... Tens of billions of views mm-hmm. yes. of that video. And I count, I compared it to how many retina cells are in the eye. And there has many. <laughs> Only, <I> you. Think... <laughs> <laughs> Only you. Only no, you. Yeah, it's been watched more times than there are cells in the retina to have actually registered it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so what, do you, what do you think of the awesome. internationality of music? Oh, well, we're all connected fundamentally. I mean, something like Gangnam Style, I think people are more interested by the dance element of it. You know, it's a funky free it, dance. It and it has dance. that motivic, you know, theme that, that you can't get out of your head. Plus, but, he, he, he has a very <laughs> unpretentious body, right? Right. Yeah, he's just and, like a, just, just a guy off the street. And sure, watching him do this was Exactly, fun. right. And Plus so people... he owns it. Come on, you, he sells it! <laughs> you don't know have to know what he's saying. because But that's what connects us about music anyway, is that fundamentally... It, it's this magical connection, and it's all, I believe, for the heartbeat, because exactly. we have rhythm in all of us. Yeah. So we can go anywhere and share whatever music we have and connect instantly. 
Nice. Yeah, we are the world. Can... There we go. It, we it, are the children. Hands. But, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> are <true>. the music. <laughs> Actually, that's that makes all... sense. It, it makes perfect sense. I, that is all the time we have. Oh. Uh, we can go on for hours and hours, I'm sure. But but uh, Elaine, thanks for being on Star Talk Radio. It's been so fun. Oh my this gosh. It's been great. Thanks oh my for having gosh. me. So music will yeah. conquer the world. Yes. And ultimately, space itself. <laughs> Elaine, thanks for being on Star Talk. Chuck, always good to have you. My pleasure. Uh, As always, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, bidding you to keep looking up. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.